0: dad says this thing over and over again, according to him, when I was growing up, there was this one word that he dreaded, and the word was however, and um, the specific situation where he dreaded that word was parents' evening at school, because uh, it was always the same format, it was like John, you know, his his test scores are good, his homework's always done on time, his his handwriting is very neat, blah, 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 however, however. in class, he's distracted, he talks, he chats, he makes silly noises, he uses the table as a drum, he doodles, he doesn't engage, and he tends to draw other people into this with him too. <laughs> and the problem was that I, I didn't really want to listen. Um, I, it wasn't that I didn't want to learn, I quite liked learning, but for me, that was something that I liked to do on my own when I was at home in my own time, whereas the classroom for me was more of a, a, a place to socialize. And. Uh, <laughs> So I spent most of my sort of you know, school life frustrating my teachers a little bit, um, and then as an adult, I um, married a teacher and continued to do that since. <laughs> but it's funny how you know, this whole thing about listening and hearing, it's about more than just like the mechanics of the sound waves, isn't it? It's, about, it's, it's more than just the words we use. When we listen, when we hear, a lot of it is about our, our desire to actually take a message on board, whether we want to listen. And today is a really good example of of that. For all of you guys, um, the environment for listening is perfect. You're all sat sort of in this orientation towards the stage, there are these screens so you can see, you know, feel closer to what's going on, and we've got this PA system so that everything is loud and clear. The environment is perfect, but ultimately, the degree to which you decide to hear, and listen and take on board what I'm saying is very much up to you. And So let's just reflect on that. What do you wanna get out of the next um, half hour or so? You know, you could use these minutes to have a bit of a rest, to zone out. There may be things on your mind that you wanna process a little bit. But but another option is that um, I'm gonna open the Bible and talk a little bit about about some stuff that Jesus had to say about this, this very topic, actually, about how we listen and hear his message. And if you want to, um, I believe that for each of us, he's got something um, to give us from this, something that will be a blessing to us. Um, but we each have a choice about what we want to take from it. You know, when Jesus wanted to talk about his, his kingdom... He had this amazing way of engaging the audience. Um, This little tool that he used, um, parables, Um, and and they, in the same way, they sort of gave people a bit of a choice about how much they wanted to engage with what he was saying. Um, There's lots of parables in the Bible, like the prodigal son, um, like the good Samaritan, and in simple terms, what Jesus did with parables was, say he had on one hand something true that he wanted to communicate about the kingdom of God, what he would do is he would, he would, he would use a story, um, perhaps with themes or characters that people would have been familiar with that had parallels with that truth that he wanted to communicate, and he would use the story to illustrate the point. So, you know, say for example, if he wanted to talk about how the kingdom of God, this truth, that the kingdom of God is, is precious and worth pursuing, He would say, oh, the kingdom of God is like um, a man who found this treasure in a field, and he he was so captivated by it that he gave up everything he had to pursue that treasure. And so some people, they would hear that story, and they just wouldn't really connect the dots, and they'd be like, what is he on about? I don't get it. Treasure, weird. Whereas some people would be like, wow, he's talking about the kingdom. That must must mean the kingdom is so precious and so special. And and Jesus used these parables a lot. There's loads of them in, in the gospels, in the stories of his life. Um, And they were absolutely genius on so many levels. Um, For a start, parables made the gospel message um, easy to to remember and portable. They were stories that people could recall and tell others. So it was a way of of making the gospel message really portable and and sending it viral, as it were. Um, and, And because they were so engaging and memorable, that's why the parables are often some of the most famous parts of the Bible. But they... Another thing was that they also allowed Jesus to get away with saying some stuff that was pretty controversial um, without being sort of lynched. Um, Because Jesus, he brought brought this message of the kingdom of God that was extremely controversial. The Roman authorities sort of saw him as the next potential Jewish revolutionary who was going to sort of start some sort of uprising. Um, The local Jewish king, Herod, um, he was twitchy about anyone that the people might see as their true spiritual leader, their Messiah. So he was nervous about Jesus. And and Jesus' message was also, it was extremely offensive and undermining to the religious authorities at the time, the Pharisees. So from all these different angles, the stuff that Jesus was saying was putting his life in danger. And he knew that that ultimately, in fact, this message would... Mean that he would have to face death as a consequence of people he it it was gonna it was gonna take him to death but he he knew that he had a job to do first he'd got about three years worth of ministry to accomplish he needed to perform miracles he needed to teach people about the kingdom he needed to train his disciples and only once all that was done would he then himself hand himself over um, to the cross to be killed but what, what he needed to do in the meantime was handle this message with a degree of care. And what these parables did as well was they, they enabled him to, they sort of acted as a bit of a smokescreen to say controversial things in slightly um, hidden language, whilst at the same time making the whole thing accessible to those that wanted to engage with it. It reminds me a little bit like, you know when, uh, if you want somebody to come into your house, you might leave a key under the mat or under the flower pot. Um, and so for those where, you know, they're, they're looking to get in, um, it makes the whole thing very accessible, whilst others just walk on past seemingly unaware. But best, for, best of all for me, though, I think the thing that is most amazing about these parables is that they're just simply so profound, timelessly profound. Um, a few months ago, I found myself doing a Bible study here um, at Alpha with um, another leader, um, a couple of um, ladies, Chinese ladies who would just done Alpha, and they had brought along two guests with them. And these guys, I think one of them had been to church once before, one of them was completely new to faith, Christianity, the whole thing, and he could barely speak any English as well. So I was like, this is going to be a difficult Bible study. Um, so anyway, we, we, we get the Bible out, read the, the parable of the prodigal son, and it's sort of being translated back and forth, and it's sort of slow work. Um, and then the guy, he, 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 this guy who's never been to anything before says, I think the older son, um, he works really hard, so he's the good one, right? And so it was like, okay, well, let's try and, you know, we, we engaged with it a little bit more. And bit by bit, we, they came to the conclusion that actually God loved both the sons. And in fact, he, he loves all of his children, not based on how hard they work, but simply because they're his children, and he loves his children. And there was this moment where, you know, that truth, you could just see it hit this guy. And he said something that didn't need any translation. He just went, oh, like that. And it was amazing. And um, we, we ended the evening by, by praying for him. He was due to go back to China and he wanted us to pray that he would be able to continue this journey of getting to know Jesus. And the atmosphere was incredible. The holy, you could feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I went away from that just thinking, Jesus is just such a genius. Like here's this story that he told in the Middle East 2000 years ago, it's a couple of paragraphs in the Bible. And yet here we are in this day and age from completely different cultures. It's lost none of its profound effect. It's lost none of its power. So what I want to do um, with the remainder of the time that we've got today is, is look at one of these parables and sort of place ourselves in it a little bit um, to look under the doormat and get the key, as it were. And um, if, if you want to engage with this, I really think there'll be, there'll be truth and life in it for, for all of us today. It's a parable that's in... Um, It's in three of the Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, And it occurred just about the time that Jesus' ministry was starting to gather pace. Um, He he draws a crowd one day to a beach. And um, according to the local traditions, there's this this cove along the Sea of Galilee where, where the rocks form this sort of natural amphitheater. Um, with these amazing acoustic qualities so that, so that a person could speak to a large crowd without the, the aid of a, of a PA system. And so the picture, a little bit of this parable that we can place ourselves in is a little bit like today. Um, a, a crowd of people um, all listening to this story except without the little um, Brittany microphone. So we're going to pick it up in, um, in Mark chapter 4. If you've got a Bible, open it there. Um, verse 3. Jesus said, um, Listen a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seeds some fell along the path and the birds came and they ate it up some fell on the rocky places where it didn't have much soil it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow but when the sun came up the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain still other seed fell on good soil it came up grew and produced a crop multiplying 30 60 or even 100 times then jesus said he who has ears to hear let him hear in other words he was saying you know are you are you receiving this are you picking up what i'm what i'm putting putting down here and what's incredible is that you know even though these crowds were listening to the greatest teacher that's ever walked on this planet Evidently, some of them weren't hearing what he was saying because a little while later, some, even some of his close followers and his disciples, they turned to him and were like, Jesus, what was that all about? And so, and so he, he explains, now to sort of like, not to the big crowd, but to sort of a smaller audience, I'll come over here and just sort of, this is, so this is the smaller audience now that we're talking to. Um, and Jesus said, he said, um, don't you understand this parable? The farmer sows the word, Some people are like the seed along the path where the Word is sown. And so the the Word is the message of the kingdom. the, the, The seed, sorry, is the Word, the message of the kingdom. He's saying the farmer is God and he's sowing this seed. And then he explains what all the different soils are. He says, Some people are like the seed along the path where the Word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the Word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown on rocky places, hear the Word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. So do you get it now, he said. (laughs) And hopefully the explanation helps a little bit for them. Now, so it was a little bit weird, really, because in this parable, Jesus was, was kind of commentating on the thing that was actually happening. As he was speaking to the crowd, he was explaining what happens when he speaks to a crowd. And so even weirder, I'm speaking to a crowd about Jesus speaking to a crowd about speaking to a crowd today. That's kind of a bit of an aside. But he was saying, as I share this message with you, there will be some people where it just bounces off you, um, nothing sinks in. There will be others where you, you, know, you like the sound of it, but your heart isn't in a place where it can actually bed in and take root. And then there will be others where you, where you love the message, you take it on board, but the distractions of the world, you know, money, power, Pokemon Go, those things come and they, and they wrap around it and, and choke it out so that it fades into the background. But then he explains some of you, though, you will choose to hear it, and you'll receive it. And your heart is like a good soil, and it will take root in your life, and, and it will grow, and there'll be life, and it will bear fruit. And that, that outcome at the end of it, fruitfulness, is, is really the, what the parable is about in the end. It was this coded message from Jesus explaining that if you want to have a fulfilling, fruitful life, which we all do, don't we? If you want that, the, the, the key, the way into it is choosing to receive and listen to Jesus' words about the kingdom and to receive that message. And so he was asking them, you know, which of these soils is your heart like? Are you taking this in? Are, are, are your ears connected to your heart? And for some of them, I think it was a little bit like me at parents' evening all those years ago, like on the face of it, they were present, they were there, they were sort of ticking some of the boxes, However, as my teachers would say, they weren't actually choosing to really listen and receive the message. And so Jesus was using this parable as an indirect means of being actually quite direct, I think. Quite challenging to the audience. And in a way, I'm sort of using the story to to try and do that a little bit today. To ask you, is your heart like the good soil? And if you're not sure, um, you only need to ask how much fruit Am I bearing? Is there evidence? Is there growth in my life? Because these two things, fruitfulness and the quality of the receiving soil, they go hand in hand. Um, one flows out of the other. And this is something that I, you know probably we've all seen in real life. Um, in my garden, um, I've got some fuchsias because they always remind me of my nan's garden. So I decided to, uh, that I wanted some fuchsias in the garden. There's a guy in the, a gardener in the church called Andy. He he gave he sorted me out with some fuchsias, um, and, he, and he said, "Look, these things, put them in. Your, they're pretty hardy. You can't kill them. Just a bit of water." Um, he hadn't obviously reckoned on my level of horticultural incompetence because, put them in the thing. After a few months, it's just like a, a bunch of twigs there, and I was like, "Oh dear." Um, and I was gonna throw them in the in the bin, but I, just on a whim, I thought, "You never know." So I, I pulled um, the the plant out of this bedder, this planter thing. Which, when I did it, I was like, ooh, there's not really any soil in there, it's just loads of rocks. Um, and then, so I just stuck it in the flower bed over the other side of the garden. A couple of months later, it's like a phoenix from the flames. Unbelievable, <laughs> this thing. Now, it doesn't take an expert um, to see that the soil made all the difference. And what this parable does is it uses that picture to help us sort of work out our own faith, it explains how things work. And it helps us to make sense, I think, of some of the stuff that we encounter and we see um, in life as Christians. So one thing that it's really helped me understand, as I was reading this, I was like, oh yeah. Um, Is Say this story, I don't know if this story is familiar to you, whether you've ever come across a situation like this. About 10 years ago, um, Abby and I, we were table hosts on an alpha course, and after that, we, we, we started a small group with some friends and some people who'd just come to faith, and it was the best, it was so much fun. Um, and some of the people who are in that group are still part of this church today. Others have, have, have moved on to um, other churches. But there was this one lady, I remember, who she was very much part of the group. She, she got baptized. She used to come along to lots of stuff. But after a few months, she got unwell, and she missed. we didn't see her for a little while. And we were sort of like texting her and trying to you know contact her. And she, she came along a little bit, but then just gradually over time, I think another family member got ill, and and, and just over time, she just drifted away, and as far as I know, away from faith altogether. I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that. Or what about this one? Again, about ten years ago, um, there was there was this colleague at work, and there were three of us who were Christians um, in the place where I worked. It was before I worked here. There's more than three Christians work here, and um, <laughs> and uh, we. Um, Anyway, we, did, we, we decided we were going to convert him, we did this triple pincer movement, we were taking him along to churches, we were taking him along to Alpha, and to be fair, there were lots of great conversations, um, but at the end of the day, he, he explained to us that he, he liked the sound of, of Jesus, he liked the teaching, and he wished that he could believe it, but he just didn't, I don't know if you ever met anybody like that. Well, how about this? Um, for the last few months, on, on Thursdays, a, li- a little group of people from here have been um, going out onto the streets to tell people about Jesus. They've picked up this, this sort of way of um, telling people about the gospel message that we picked up from Causeway Coast Vineyard called the Miracle Question. Um, and it's been incredible. They've, they've prayed for so many people out there. They've had lots of great conversations. And something like 40 people have opened their hearts to Jesus out there on the streets and invited him into their lives. It's incredible what's going on. But the twist of the story is that as we then follow up on these encounters, so far um, we've seen just a handful of those people want to then continue and follow on and, and visit church and carry on the conversation. And I don't know whether you've had a story like that yourself, perhaps where you've shared your faith um, with a neighbor, and initially they seemed istra- interested, but then they've kind of gone off the ball a little bit and it's become a bit awkward. But those kind of situations, they can be a little bit discouraging sometimes, can't they? You know, how is it that, uh, that our friends or our relatives can receive the message with such joy in the first instance, and experience the loving community and friendship and fellowship of church, but then choose to walk away from it. That's such a strange thing. It can even give us a bit of a wobble in our own faith sometimes. Be like, wow, how, how's that possible? Are they seeing something that I'm not? But I think what this parable does is it, it helps to explain that's to be expected. You know, even in Jesus' own ministry, he was rejected in his, in his hometown. People didn't want to listen. Lots of people um, resonated with the stuff that he had to say initially, but then they quickly turned away when it became difficult. And so this parable is um, an accurate picture of Jesus' own ministry. And it's an accurate picture of our ministry too. But I think for me, the problem is, is that over the years, these stories, these situations where people have, have ultimately chosen to sort of walk away from the message, and I've shared you know, stuff about Jesus with them, and they've, they've chosen to kind of ultimately reject it, I've ended up just writing a new ending to this parable in my own life. So where the parable actually ends, it says, others, like seed sown on the good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. I've sort of added on this extra bit that says, and so next year, when it was time to sow, the sower didn't waste his seeds on the path, nor the rocky soil, nor the thorny soil. He saved his seeds for the good soil and harvested only from there. Amen. And that is obviously not in the Bible. <laughs> we conclude, what's the point in going out onto the streets and telling people about Jesus if so few of them are going to follow up? What's the point in sharing my faith with a colleague if um, it's just going to make things awkward along the line? Or the place where I live, it's an affluent neighbourhood, it's stony ground, people aren't responsive there. And I think one of the things that Jesus was doing with this parable was, was giving us a heads up to, as to, you know, that is just the way it works. There'll be some that don't want to know, There'll be some that like the sound of it but aren't willing to put changes in their life. There are, there are some that aren't willing to weed out the distractions of the world. That's just how it is. But the sower just keeps on sowing. And the seeds in the story are sown liberally to all different kinds of, of soil. I, think, I suspect Jesus was making a, a point of, by painting this picture of this sort of nonchalant farmer just chucking these seeds onto all the different soils everywhere. I think if there were any like, farmers in the audience, they would have been like, oh dear, like, what a waste. Why doesn't he save his seeds for the good soil? But Jesus, I think, was stressing a point that when it comes to sharing the gospel, God, he he isn't sort of this super strategic dispensing out the seeds only to the places where it will be well received because he doesn't have to budget his resources in that way. He's abundantly resourced. He's infinitely generous. And he sows the seeds more like what he is, a heartbroken parent, Longing for all of his children to hear that message and come home to him. And so he will sow to the, to the lost causes. He'll sow to the stony path and the rocky path and the thorny patch again and again and again. And he asks us to be willing to do the same. And so Jesus asked, who, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I want to ask you are, are you, are you hearing that? Is your heart um, connected to your ears today? Do you want to receive... The message of this parable and let it take root in your own life, because if you, if you are and if you do, um, then i 've just got a couple of questions to take away um, that will help us to assess the, the soil of our own heart. First question is this: are you growing? If you want to know if the message of the gospel is taking your, your, your root in your life, look for growth, look for fruit. Are you more like Jesus than you were? a couple of months ago or a year ago? Are you, more, are you getting more servant-hearted? Are you becoming more like him and becoming more compassionate? Are you less prideful? Are you less lustful? You know, if there are areas where your growth as a disciple of Jesus has stagnated, areas where you long to see more fruit, perhaps the key to moving on is doing some work on, on the soil of, of your heart. You know, maybe it involves taking some of the rocks out of the soil to, to, to allow the roots to bed in. And I think this comes maybe as we, as we do things like carve out time for God to spend time reading his word, to spend time in his presence so that his roots can take, take, take place in our heart. And I think the, encar- the encouragement that we can take from this parable is that the soil makes so much difference. If we are willing to do a little bit of work on the soil and prepare it, fruitfulness will grow there as we receive his word. You know, think about the picture of that fuchsia plant in my garden. Um, it, it, it was practically dead. It looked completely dead. But now it's full of life. And in that particular situation, it did take some pretty drastic action on my part. I had to literally uproot it and put it somewhere else. But the result was so worth it. It was, it was rebirth. You know, and, and maybe for some of you, that is a picture of sort of where you're at at the moment you're at a a sort of a spiritually low ebb perhaps there's little sign of life in it for you and maybe in the same way you might be at the point where you need to do something a little bit drastic like that you know perhaps there's certain friends or certain situations that just need to change in your life Perhaps there's a, a trauma or an experience that you've been through that that's, it's, it's made your heart like rocky soil. It's, it's, it's affected so much that it makes it hard for you to receive the message because that experience is just dominating everything. Maybe it's time to ask, what's it going to take to get through that? You know, what am I going to need to do to actually move on from that trauma or that experience? And maybe you need to, 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 to spend some time praying about it, talking about it with some people who are wise um, around you in small group, But for some of you, I suspect there may be some kind of uprooting that needs to take place. A big aspect of your life where you need to just make a change and move on and allow the the fruit and the growth to come as you change the soil. For others of us today, as we reflect on it, maybe our growth has kind of hindered a little bit because we need to do a little bit of weeding. I don't want to stretch the parable too far um, in terms of like, you know, pulling stuff out of every little nuance, But I think it's a valid observation that, you know, thorns and brambles, they grow pretty much everywhere, don't they? And they grow quickly. And in the same way, I think, you know, most of us, if not all of us, we do have thorns of distraction in our life. You know, it might be our our career, it might be a hobby, it might be this relentless striving to be this sort of this image of a perfect parent that doesn't exist in reality, but we want to try and achieve it anyway. It might be a relationship. Um, All things that are actually really good things, but things that can behave like weeds if they grow to the extent where they're um, restricting the development of our own personal faith and relationship with God. You know, an example of that, I think, in my life, um, for the last few months, we've been getting ready to um, do our kitchen in our house. And we're sort of kind of in the middle of that right now. And I've been planning it all, and um, it's been taking up quite a lot of my headspace, if I'm honest. About a month ago, I met up with this friend of mine who I see every now and again. Who I see, you know, the sort of person where you just think they are the real deal, like somebody who I just think is totally sold out for Jesus. And um, I was just chatting to him, and as he was just talking about his life, it 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 just struck me as like, wow, I need to kind of get my priorities straight a little bit because this kitchen thing has become a really big deal for me. But it's just a load of MDF at the end of the day that's gonna need replacing in like five years or two years with my DOI skills. Yet it's become this distraction to what my life is actually really about. It's not a bad thing, but it's just become too big. And the thing about thorny brambles is that if they're, if they're left unchecked, they can suffocate our faith to the point where there is no fruit or growth at all. And so if we're hearing this parable right, some of us will be will spurred to ask, you know, what, what are the things that are hindering growth for me? Where are the, you know, the areas of my life where growth has stagnated? And, and, and ask the question, you know, what, what, what do I need to do to work on the soil there? So that's the first question, am I growing? And I think it's only once we've looked inwards at ourselves in that way that we can then go on and ask a second question, which is, am I sowing? Because if we're not just um, sort of listening, but we're actually hearing and receiving this message um, from, this, from this parable, I think we'll see that the seeds are to be sown. And so we'll ask of ourselves, so where and when am I sowing? In other words, you know, have I told somebody about Jesus this week or this month? Or have I been put off by, by the ground? Have I been put off by the sort of stony ground of our secular culture? or the the rocky path of my apathetic friendship group, or the the thorny patch of my affluent neighborhood where there are so many distractions. See, the thing is, Jesus never gave us any discretion about who we're to sow these seeds to. He's asked us instead to follow his lead and just sow to everybody, regardless of where they're at. And so as, as, as we leave today, I think if our heart is connected to our ears, if we're hearing this, we'll be asking that question too. Am I, am I sowing as well as am I growing? So there's a little bit of f- food for, for thought. But um, to finish today, I think it would be appropriate to do a bit of sowing ourselves. Um, it may be that you're here in this room today and you are yet to respond to this invitation to follow Jesus, to accept him and his message into your heart. It might be that you know, maybe you've received it some time ago, but since, the weeds and the thorns, they've grown over it and suffocated it. Or it may be that you are here, but you're more like the stony ground. You can't quite believe that you're here because it just all sounds like a load of nonsense to you, yet you're here anyway. Wherever you're at, um, I want to sow the seed again. Here's, this is the truth. God is real and uh, he made you and he loves you and he longs for you to know him, to have a relationship with you, and he longs for you to one day come home and live with him in his kingdom forever. Now, there may be things that you've done in your life that make you unworthy to be called his friend, and the truth is, he he knows in fact there are, because it's true of all of us. All of us have done stuff that make us unworthy to be his friend. We've all made mistakes, but the amazing thing is that God loves us so much. He loves his children so much that he, he made a way to, to deal with that problem. He, he, he took the punishment and the consequence of all of our sins and wrongdoings by dying on a cross for us so that, um, so that we would be seen as innocent in his eyes and open up the potential for us to, 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 to come into relationship with him and to secure a destiny with him forever in heaven. And um, as, we, as we choose to accept that, and take that message into our heart, um, he, he, he promises that he will then come through his spirit and, and, and live in our heart, and we will start a new life with him, a new life today that will continue forever. It's the most amazing thing, but that's the seed. That's the, that's the truth. And if you want to accept that into your heart today, if you wanna to choose to accept his forgiveness, ask him to come into your life, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and choose to follow him, he wants to do that for you and you've got a choice whether you want to accept it the only person who can choose to do that in your life is you nobody else can make that decision for you but it's the biggest decision you'll ever make but if you are ready if you want to receive that and start on the path to growth and fruitfulness in your life um, then today could be your day to do that